out of is a sense of insecurity or codependency might be another one. So until such a time as we are secure in God's love for us and that we are secure in that relationship, it's going to be really difficult for us to be secure in all of our other relationships. So the first three messages have been about, and this one included, have been all about our relationship with God. Is there overlap? Absolutely. And I hope you caught that. But I wanted to emphasize that. So we come today to the third of our commandments, which if I could boil it down very simply, the third commandment is this. God says, take my name seriously. Take my name seriously. Um, There's a book out there uh, by a guy by the name of Paul Dickinson, and the name of the book is called Names. If you haven't got it, you might want to get it. It's a fun book to read. Uh, He has a hobby of collecting people's names that are a little bit strange, uh, unusual names. He says names are often prophetic, in his mind at least. Uh, In 1941, for example, there were two men who were executed in the electric chair in Florida State Penitentiary, one immediately after the other, within an hour of each other. Their names were Wilburn and Frizzle. You didn't like that one. Okay. Recently, there was a Montreal window washer who died by accident falling as he was washing windows. His name was Will Drop. Others, Dickinson says, are destined for occupations. And by the way, these names are called aptronyms. Aptronyms. In other words, the apt to the person's career or their vocation. Um, A baseball coach was named Joe Bunt. I like that one. A barber was named Dan Druff. I think I would have changed my name. Jeff Treadwell became a podiatrist. Two guys became partnered police officers. Their names were Goforth and Ketchum. Can you imagine whoever thought of partnering those two guys together? Two partners in providing church equipment to churches were O'Neill and Prey. A psychologist was wonderfully trembly. A gynecologist was called Zoltan Overy. You could have guessed that one. A plastic contractor, a plaster contractor was called Will Crumble. Nobody hired him. My favorite of all of them. A urologist was called P.P. Peters. I like those. Paul Dickinson, the book is Names. Shakespeare said, what's in a name? Well, God says there's a lot in the name, especially since he made it one of his Ten Commandments. Where did the Ten Commandments occur, by the way? Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. You're getting there. Thank you. Exodus 20, and they're repeated in Deuteronomy 5. The third commandment, Exodus 20, verse 7 says, You shall not misuse or take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Why does God make such a big deal about his name? Is he insecure in some way that he wants to make sure you don't mock him or make fun of him? 
God's word teaches us that names represent three things that are crucial in our understanding of this particular commandment. They represent our reputation, our character, and our authority. First, our reputation. You've heard people say he's making a name for himself. That speaks about the reputation that he's trying to garner among a certain group of people. But whenever you say a name, certain names make you automatically think about that person's reputation, what they have done in life. So if I say Abraham Lincoln, you have an immediate response based upon what you know about Abraham Lincoln's reputation, how he lived. Or if I say George Washington, there are things that pop to your mind, like he would not lie when he chopped down the cherry tree, even though that might be not true. That's what we were taught in school. So names mean something. Other names can be used negatively, like Adolf Hitler. Killed over 11 million people, and that's not counting people who died in battle. It's only people who died in camps and in purges that he made. Or somebody like Idi Amin, who was the president of Uganda, who killed over 500,000 people. So names can have a good reputation, like Mother Teresa, or Martin Luther King Jr., or they can have negative connotations. That has to do with our reputation. I can remember back in uh, 1988, during a vice presidential debate, it was um, Lloyd Benson and Dan Quayle. How many of you guys remember those days? You didn't remember until I said the names. Lloyd Benson and Dan, Dan Quayle. Dan Quayle, in the middle of the debate, did an interesting thing. He actually dropped a name. He said, I have as much political experience as John F. Kennedy, evoking the name of one of the most well-loved and well-respected presidents that have ever served. But Lloyd Benson came right back with an interesting statement. He said this. He said, I served with Jack Kennedy. I knew Jack Kennedy, and Jack Kennedy was a friend of mine. Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy. The idea is, you can have a name, but does your reputation live up to the name that's given? So it has to do with our reputation. It also has to do with our character. Who we truly are, whether anybody's looking or not, it cannot be separated from our name. And as I say these names, you're going to know something of their character, like um, Benedict Arnold. What's the first thing you think of? Traitor. His character came to Cain. Judas Iscariot. Betrayer. Probably the one, I mean, all kinds of names in the Bible. Like I have friends, uh, dear friends, who actually used to be in this church before they moved away. They're still friends, but they moved away from the church. Um, they, they, they named all of their kids with, beginning with the letter J. And I mean, they, they went through the Bible scouring the Bible for Bible names. Like Jedithin. Or Janelle. Or what are some of the other names? Jesse. Uh, it's just all kinds of J names. They went after it. Because those people in the Bible's character represented, they wanted their children to live out. And parents, all through the Bible, parents today still do the same thing. They will name their kids certain names, hoping their kids will actually live up to those characteristics. Like charity, or 
Just Friday, I was with my sister, my older sister, Hope. Again, wanting your children to carry certain characteristics in their being that is reflected in the name. And even in the Bible, when somebody's character had a shift, a change, a destiny change, God Himself would change their name. So that Abram became Abraham. Sarai became Sarah. All throughout the Bible, it happened again and again. So it has to do with your reputation, with your character, and it has to do with your authority. When a policeman pulls you over and you try to flee, he doesn't say, which you, you would never do, right? Never. I can't imagine anybody in this church who would ever flee from a policeman. <laughs> I wasn't saying anything. <clears throat> that policeman does not say, stop in the name of Bugs Bunny. Because Bugs Bunny carries no authority. He says, stop in the name of the law. Because the law is a rule that has certain authority in our nation. Um, I don't know how many of you guys have uh, phone ID, probably most of you. But when your phone rings, I don't care where you are, you could be in a meeting just like this. I, I've been in meetings where before they start the meeting, they say, everybody please turn their phone up. I've been in funerals where it's happened. Funeral director gets up and says, would you all please silence your phone? You're in the middle of speaking and the phone goes off. But the funny thing is this. The phone is ringing. It's not that they can't find the phone. They have the phone. They look at their phone because they want to see first who's calling to know whether whoever's calling, whoever's name appears on the ID is important to them or not. That determines whether they take the call. And if it's somebody, you know, it's like a, a number you've never heard of before, you might just ignore it. But if it's somebody who's important to you, you get up, you make a commotion even in the midst of the funeral to go out because that person's name bears some authority for you. Back in 2008, it was a Sunday afternoon and uh, it was in April. Kayrod and I had just laid down to take a Sunday afternoon nap, which I think is a godly thing, one of the most spiritual things you can do. Um, that's next Sunday sermon. <laughs> um, but we had just taken a nap and the phone rang. And we didn't answer it because, oh, come on. Whoever it is, if they really want us, they'll call us back. But for some reason, Karen said, maybe I should just get up and look at the phone to see who it was. And when she looked at the phone ID, it said, New York State Trooper. And everything changed in one second. Our nap meant nothing until we figured out what in the world was going on. Within minutes, literally minutes, we were dressed, we were out the door, and we were on our way to Sloan Memorial Hospital because that was the day that Jennifer and Justine had their car accident. But a person's name reflects something of the authority they carry in your life. God says when you misuse His name, you draw into question His reputation, His character, and His authority. And most often when we think about misusing the name of God, we think about swearing. But there's a lot of other ways that we can actually do disservice to God's name. And I want us to look at them very, very briefly, but I do want us to look at them and think about how they impact us personally with our relationship with God, but then how they actually carry over into other relationships. So the first way that we can misuse God's name is you can use God's name as an insult. That's when we swear. Uh, it's a form of profanity. It's like when people want someone to know how upset they really are. They want to lend power to it. 
And so they use the name of God. Um, I was reading recently a story about uh, a farmer uh, who was making his way home in Pennsylvania. He was an Amish farmer, and uh, he was riding his bug and carry home, and he got home late. And his wife said to him, was there a problem? What, 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 why are you late? And he says, well, I picked up somebody beside the road, and it was a preacher. And from that point on, the mules wouldn't listen to a word I had to say. The implication is, he always commanded them by swearing, but once the preacher got in, he wouldn't swear anymore. What is it that you use in your language with God, about God, in his name? Um, I think that people who are lovers of God, true lovers of God, followers of Jesus Christ, ought to have something inside of them that would be aghast, would be horrified at the thought of flippantly using his name as a swear word, as a cursing of anything or anyone. And I think it's equally true in our families and in our marriages. There's probably not a one of us here today that doesn't remember at times when your parents used your name, your whole name, first, middle, and last name. And you knew when they used your name, they were serious. Something was up. You were in trouble probably. Or they wanted to get your attention. Even on a human level. Not just our name of God, but on a human level. Names matter. And how you use those names matter. The tone of voice matters. And so my question to you is, if we're supposed to treat God's name with respect, and our spouse, our children, are also image bearers of the living God, what names do you attribute to your children? To your spouse? What tone of voice? When you speak to your spouse, does your spouse know that they are loved? That you take delight in them? That you're honoring them? And what about your kids? Do your kids know that they are loved by you just by how you say their name? We don't want to use God's name flippantly. We don't want to use God's name disrespectfully, insultingly. Well, nor should you use people's names in that same way. I know for me, growing up uh, as a man, uh, we, we got married young. Uh, Karen was 21, I was 22. Uh, relatively young. Feels young now. Um, we got married when we were young, started having kids, and pretty soon you have three kids. And how many of you realize you, you don't have a clue what you're doing when you're raising your kids, right? I mean, everybody says, just do what the Bible says. Well, what in the world does the Bible say when they do that? And I can remember many times, as I look back now as an older man, regretting how I spoke to my kids, because I realize now that the way I disciplined them, the way I spoke to them, had far more to do with how they made me feel in that moment, or how they made me look in that moment, than anything about love for them or delighting in them. I wanted to look like I was together. I wanted people to know I had it all together. And so when my kids acted out, I would come down like a ton of bricks because I wanted them to straighten up because you're making me look bad. And I wonder, how many times do we do the same thing as parents, even as Christian parents? And yet God says we're not to take His name in vain. We're not to use it in an insulting way but we're not to do it towards people either. To those people that are around us. My 11th grade teacher, Mrs. Stone,
told us that people swore because they lacked the intelligence to use more accurate, powerful vocabulary. Um, I grew up on a farm among a bunch of people that were farmers, small farmers, some of them bigger. Uh, I worked on the thruway, and my boss, my first boss off of the farm, was a drill sergeant, former drill sergeant. And then I went to work for a construction crew. So I heard all of those words. I didn't even know when I, when I went outside of the farm, which I knew a lot of swear words then, but when I went off the farm, I didn't even know some of those words could be used to swear words, but they were. So I know them all. But that doesn't mean we have to use them. And it doesn't mean we have to allow them to be used towards our friends or our family. Uh, when you stub your toe or you hit your thumb with a hammer, what comes out of your mouth? I've had people say to me, well, you just can't help it. It just slips out. But it doesn't slip out of everybody's mouth. How come it slips out of yours? And again, I'm not speaking judgment. I'm asking you to think through. This commandment says, don't use my name as an insult, as a curse, as a swear word. Do you honor God's name? Do you love Him so deeply that the thought of abusing His name causes you inner pain? So the first way we can misuse God's name is as an insult. The second way is we can do it as an indulgence. Um, we excuse our decisions and our behavior by blaming God. And the way I thought about this is back when I was at Elam, I don't know if it's that way now, it probably is because people are the same, but back when I was at Bible college, Elam was the Bible college I attended, when I was at Elam, it was not uncommon at all, especially among the guys, to hear a guy who was dating a girl say to the girl, you know, I've been spending a lot of time fasting and praying, and I just feel like God's told me you're not the one. And I can still remember Paul Joe calling a special chapel. Paul Joe at that time, Paul Johansson was the dean of students. He called a special chapel, and we're like, oh, okay. But then he separated the guys from the girls. And so all of us guys were alone in chapel together. There's probably around 150, 200 of us. And he laid into us for being cowards. And he says, how dare you use God's name to excuse the fact that you're just a bunch of lazy cowards who don't have the courage to tell this girl you're just too tired to fight for this relationship anymore and you want out of it. And I wonder how many times do we use the name of God to excuse what we do? In the name of God. God told me to. God said. And I wonder how often we do this. God told me. This car is for me. This house is for me. I've had people tell me, I, I, I've literally in the last several years had somebody, a Christian say to me, God gave me this car. Really? Wow, what, what was the deal? Well, in the end, what you find out is they took out this huge loan. And they figured the only way they could have got a huge loan that they couldn't afford was that God did it for them. So they blamed God for it. Or at least they gave God the credit in that moment. Later, years later, when they couldn't afford the car payments anymore, they had to have the car repossessed, and then they got mad at God for it. You blame God for giving you the car, but then you blame God for taking the car. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But we do that kind of thing all the time in the name of the Lord. And I want to suggest to you that Flippantly saying, God told me, isn't a whole lot different than when Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. 
I think we ought to be very, very careful about what follows the words, God told me. And you ought to really make sure God really said it. And it's not just something you want or want to do, and so you attach God's name to it to indulge your own desires. The third way we use God's name in vain is through intimidation or manipulation. And some people are pros at this. I don't want to watch a lot of Christian TV, honestly, because I find it too depressing. Um, but every once in a while, I'll flip through the channels just to see what's on, who's on anymore. And every once in a while, I, I come across somebody and I think, wow, this guy is a phenomenal preacher. Who is this? But I was watching TV not so very long ago, some time ago, and the guy who was a preacher on TV said this, God told me that if you will send in $100 right now in the next 15 minutes, God will give you a jubilee year with all debts canceled and the blessings the like of which have never been seen in the earth. I sent my 100 in right away. I didn't want it to go beyond 15 minutes. Not. I'm unwilling for people to use God's name or his character to manipulate me. And I would never want to do it to you. And I hope you don't want to either. Or I've had Christians say to one another, God told me what's wrong with you, and here's what you need to do. You know, people come to me for counseling. You know, you become a pastor, and people think you're supposed to know what you're doing. And so they come for counseling. Um, and if you know me at all, you know I'm really slow to give counsel. Because if I give counsel in my heart of hearts, I feel like I have some sense of responsibility for what I told you. Because if I say, I think it might be good for you to do this, and you do this, and it blows up, I have some responsibility in that. So I'm very, very slow about giving counsel. But there's a whole lot of people that love to give counsel to people, love to tell people what to do in the name of the Lord. And I think we ought to be very, very careful about that kind of thing. I think sometimes parents do this. I've heard parents threaten their children in the name of God. You better be good or else God will get you. God knows everything you're doing. Like Santa Claus. And we use God's name to try to intimidate our children into behaving. Or husbands. Especially husbands. I've heard husbands say, God said you're supposed to submit to me. Let me just suggest to you that the second you have to say it, you've lost the battle already. If out of love the deep love that you have for your spouse, your wife doesn't receive that love and want to walk together with you in unity already, you saying submit to me isn't going to make any difference. And yet I've heard many pastors, or I've heard many men especially. Yes, I've heard pastors actually. Probably I've done it. I don't know. Can't remember when I've done it, but I probably have. I've heard men sit in the room with me, with their spouse, saying, God said you're supposed to submit to me. So I know God wants me to get this new gun, so you better shut your mouth and let me get it. All in the name of God. Or whatever toy else you want. Or whatever else you want to do with your life. I think it's a form of fraud. It's using God's name incorrectly to get something that you want. Something that God didn't ever say at all. If we ever stop, step back for a second and thought about what does it mean when you say God said and God didn't say, what's that really doing? It's not only lying 
In fact, in the scripture, I don't know if I put it up there, Deuteronomy 18.20, God says to the uh, prophets, to the children of Israel, if a prophet speaks a word and says that word is in my name and it's not in my name, that prophet should be killed. In other words, this is a serious matter. Don't just be flippantly saying God's name. God's telling me. I feel like God wants me to. I think that's used a whole lot just to excuse us wanting to get what we want to get in our marriages, in our family, in the workplace, and even in the church. God wants me. We should take extraordinary care with using God's name. The fourth one is we use God's name to impress. There are some Christians, some of them are young and they're just growing in it. So it's not a judgment, but I've just watched over the years. Some people have this idea that the more you use God's name, the more spiritual you are. You've heard people pray that way, haven't you? You know, dear Lord God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day, Father, that you would give us, Father, all good things in your care, Almighty God. I mean, they go on and on. I think if my kids ever talked to me that way, I think they were on drugs or something. But we talk to God as if somehow using His name more often is going to impress somebody. It's kind of like using big words, except for we're using now a new power word. It's called the name of God. We, we do it um, in a way like um, John even referenced it, uh, Pastor John referenced it today up front, which you know, I, I honor, I really do. Uh, but we have been over these last weeks looking at how do we make God first in our lives. And I hear people say, God is first in my life. And my question to them, the same as my question to me is, does your lifestyle reflect that God is first in your life? Because it's easy to use the name of God and say, God's number one. Get the big finger at the sports event and say, number one. But is He? You use His name, but is He really number one in your life? Do you take time with Him? on a regular basis, on a daily basis, just to be in His presence? Do you take time to read His Word? Do you recognize His provision even in your giving? Is God really first in your life? Because if He's not, it ought not be something quick that you say God's number one. The fifth way that we misuse God's name is impulsively. The word vain, by the way, uh, means lightly or irreverently. Lightly or irreverently. Um, I think this is one that we all fall into the trap of, at least I know I do. Something happens, and uh, it, it could be, let's pick on Bill, because Bill's a friend, so I know he wouldn't do this, but we, he could. He goes out fishing in Silver Lake. I, I don't think Bill ever goes fishing, but maybe he did that day. Um, he goes out fishing in Silver Lake, and he pulls in a three-pound bass. And what pops out of his mouth to the other friend of his who is in his little 14-foot boat, 16-foot boat, whatever it is, um, what comes out of his mouth is, my God, this thing is huge. But we do that pretty flippantly. We do it without thinking about the fact, are we really saying, my God, you are so good. Thank you for this. Or are we just using it as an exclamation, like wow, or man. Or we even take it a step farther. The lawyer in me does, at least. I do it. Uh, I don't say the name of God. You, you, I don't know. I can't think of times when I say the name of God in vain. I just, I don't. But I substitute other words. 
So I don't say God or Jesus. I say, geez. I can be playing ball and miss a shot, and I go, geez, what's wrong with you? I wonder who Jesus is. Or golly. Or on Facebook, OMG. Who's G there? Is it possible that you're not saying God's name reverently, but you're using it as a euphemism for shock or surprise? We have to be careful not to use God's name as a filler, uh, as something we just say to get by. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but what only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Impulsive also means without thought. And it's possible for us to come here on a Sunday and sing songs in which we are saying the name of God, but not giving it one thought because our mind is a million miles away. Yes, you can worship God in vain. How can that happen? Well, God's Word says these people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So when you come in here and you sing and you worship and you use God's name, are you putting your heart into it? Are you speaking the name of God with reverence instead of lightly and without thought? I was thinking recently about myself. Uh, Karen and I, it's a habit, but I think it's a good habit, a good tradition, is that we pray before we eat our food. I don't know how many of you guys say blessing before you eat your food, but we do. But I have found over the years that I have fallen into the rut of saying the same prayer again and again. Every time. Don't even think about it anymore. I just know the prayer. Thank you, God. For the, oh, I started to give you that prayer last week, so I don't even need to do it anymore. <laughs> um, I say the same prayer. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying the same prayer. As long as you're actually thinking and putting your heart into what you're saying. Much like we might repeat the Lord's Prayer. So I don't think it's wrong, but are you actually thinking about what you're saying, what you're praying, especially when you invoke the name of the Lord? George Barna did a survey, uh, and he found that 66%, that's two-thirds, of all Americans admit having taken the name of the Lord in vain. I suspect that that number is actually much higher, like 100%. I think the other third are struggling with the Ninth Commandment, which has to do with not lying. But my question to you honestly this morning is, how do you use the name of the Lord, your God? Do you use his name with a sense of awe, with a sense of wonder, that you have a relationship in which the God of the universe, who knows neither beginning nor end, who knows no limit to his power nor his love, has come into your life and has saved you, washed away your sins, and has made you part of his family. Every time you say his name, is there a sense of awe and honor and respect inside of you? And when you say, God, I didn't mean it. God's going to say back to you, that's my point. You didn't mean it. You shouldn't say my name unless you mean it. Mean it with reverence, with honor, with awe. In Leviticus 24, God's word says, to use his name wrong was a capital offense. You were to take that person out and stone them. It's that serious in God's eyes. Use his name. And and by the way, uh, when you hear other people Misuse God's name 
and you laugh about it and go along with it, I personally think you are just as guilty as they are. I can't tell you how many times I sit in meetings, which are not church meetings, it could be town meetings, or I sit down at Bud's and drink my coffee, and people come in, they sit at the table, and invariably, because it's a habit to them, one of them will say the name of God in vain. Will misuse God's name. And invariably, they will say, oh, sorry about that, preacher. Now again, I don't make a big deal about it, but there have been times when they have gone on, and I've had to say, you know, I really don't think God appreciates you using his name in vain. In the same way, no, no I won't say that. Forget that. Okay. Um, you always want to be careful where your mind goes when you're preaching. Uh, how can I use God's name correctly? I want to give you just three quick ways. Three quick ways, and then we'll add. Number one, reverence his name continually. Train yourself and train your family to treat God's name with respect. Use it carefully. Use it lovingly. As an expression of worship, don't let it just slip out flippantly or with anger. When you say God, mean it in your heart. Psalm 29.2 says, Give to the Lord the glory due His name. When I was in um, middle school, about 7th grade, so I would have been about 11, 12 years old, <clears throat> a play would have been about 1970. A play had just hit the world scene. It was a big deal. It was called Jesus Christ Superstar. Any of you guys remember that? Jesus Christ Superstar. I never saw the play. But guys in my gym class would sing this phrase over and over again. And so I started joining in with them. And it went like this, Jesus Christ Superstar, who in the hell do you think you are? And we were singing that loudly and with joy and glee until... One moment. And by the way, that's not the words in the play. The words in the play are Jesus Christ Superstar. Who do you think you are who they say you are? Do you think they are, you are who they say you are? But we're singing loudly, Jesus Christ Superstar, who in the hell do you think you are? Until one young man stood up. Still remember, Mike Lynch was his name. Mike, if you're still alive, I hope you hear this. Mike Lynch, in among all these guys, most of us weren't Christians. But Mike stood up and said, you guys need to stop it right now. That's the name of my God, and I don't like you using His name that way. And I can't tell you, I wasn't even a Christian. I felt shame. I felt embarrassment that I had been doing something so disrespectfully that it took a young Catholic boy to speak up and to correct a whole room of guys. He wasn't like one of the popular guys. He wasn't one of the big guys. He wasn't like a jock who everybody loved him would listen to him. He was just a regular guy. But he had the courage to defend the name of God because he loved God so much. I wonder how many of us in our workplaces, at home, through TV, or through movies, through books, it becomes so jaded to the misuse of God's name that we don't even pay attention to it anymore. I've had people say to me, I can watch those movies. I know they use God's name in vain, but I don't even pay any attention to it. And my question to you is, why not? Why wouldn't you? If you're misusing, if you're slurring the name of my wife, I'm not going to just sit back and say, oh, I don't even care. I don't pay attention to it. No, love demands a response. Do you care enough about the name of God, that you're not going to spend your money that God has given you 
to go watch a movie that's just replete with using his name in vain. Say, well, I, I can just tune it out. How can you tune out the fact that somebody is slurring the name of your God, the one who loved you so much that he gave his life for you? One of the phrases that's very popular with computers is garbage in, garbage out. You listen to something long enough and you just let it seep into your being, pretty soon you find yourself speaking forth the same stuff. Unless you make a barrier. You say, not me, and I'm not going to be comfortable with it being said here. What does this have to do with building strong families, relationships? Well, here's my point. If you can't teach your children, and if you yourself can't honor and respect God and His authority in your home, what makes you think your children are going to respect your authority and your name in and out of the home? That's something we train into them. Verbal and emotional abuse, I think it's rampant in families, and we need to do something about it. How we speak to our families, how we speak to our children, how we speak to our spouses in front of our children or alone. How we speak about the name of the Lord. I think it's all intermingled because it has to do with recognizing and honoring God's design and who He is. Like so many of the other commands of God, just like tithing, I think God is saying if you can get this one area of your life in control, other areas of your life will begin to get in line. If you can get God's name honored in your midst, I think you'll start finding the conversations in your family, the tone of the conversations will change because you're honoring God and you don't treat Him lightly. And then David, the psalmist, Psalm 61.5 says, You, God, have given me the blessings you reserve for those who reverence your name. God says, if you reverence my name, I'm going to send behind you blessings. I'm going to do something on your behalf, because you honor my name. As I'm reading through the scripture this year, I've been struck again by how many times God himself talks about the temple and the tabernacle and says, it's the place where I place my name. It's the location I place my name. That's mine. In the same way, your life is his. He's bought you with his blood. Make sure his name is placed well there. So, reverence his name continually. Number two, repre represent his name clearly. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, A person who calls himself a Christian should not be doing things that are wrong. If you're a believer, whether you believe it or intend it or not, you represent God. You represent the name of God, the character of God. And if you call yourself a believer, a bearer of God's image, then we need to comport ourselves accordingly. And we cannot drag God's name through the mud because we bear that name. In other words, the simplest way would be to say your walk needs to match your talk. Both need to be congruent. They need to be the same. Um, there are two reasons why many people never come to Christ. First, they've never met a Christian who's told them about Jesus. Second, they've never met a Christian who acts like a Christian. Mahatma Gandhi was purported to have said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Does your life match up with what you say as a bearer of God's name? People are watching you, watching your behavior, your attitude, your speech. 
David said in Psalm 141.3, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Reverence his name continually. Represent his name clearly. And finally, rely on his name completely. Psalm 33.21, No wonder we are happy in the Lord. We trust his holy name. Whatever you do in life, I don't care whether it's washing dishes at home or laundry, changing diapers, vacuuming, playing sports, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Watching TV, reading, do it all to the glory of God. His name would be reverenced. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. There's no other name under heaven by which man is appointed to salvation but the name of Jesus. We ought to treat that name in a way that reflects it. As I was writing this particular sermon, and most of you know I actually type out my sermons just because that's what I'm comfortable with. Um, As I was writing my sermon, something struck me that I don't think too much about anymore because it's so ingrained in me. I don't even pay attention to it. Whenever I write God's name, or even a pronoun for God's name, I capitalize it. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, the reason I do that is because I always want to show honor to God's name. I don't ever want to treat it lightly like every other name. I want to make sure it's capitalized. Let us be a people that never lose that sense of awe or respect for God and his name. And lastly, I want to say a couple of things to you in terms of the tenor of these whole this whole series and these messages specifically on the Ten Commandments. It would be easy for you to think that I am just emphasizing uh, the law and making about rules and performance. And if that's where you ended up, I would have done you a disservice and would have wasted your time. And that's not my heart at all. This isn't about like um, Peter. When Peter, at the end uh, of Jesus' time, Jesus had been crucified. He'd appeared to them a couple of times already. But Peter says to some of his fellow disciples, I'm going back fishing. And what he really meant is, I'm going back to that which I'm familiar with, that which I know works. And it would be really easy for us to run back to a bunch of rules and regulations and think that if I can only get these rules, if I never swear again, then God has to do certain things for me. It's not about rules and regulation. Even in Peter's case, when Jesus finally came on the scene, Jesus' question to Peter wasn't, wasn't, you know, did you catch any fish? His question was very simply, do you love me? This is about a love for God and how we speak about Him and how we use His name out of love. It's about the promise of God's grace in our lives. If you love God, these Ten commandments don't stay the law for you. They become for you promises of God that this is how your life is going to work because God dwells in you. One of the things, uh, I was with a friend this week. Some of you might know him. Uh, He was a former uh, associate pastor, I think it was, or assistant pastor down at Valley Chapel, uh, Jeff Borden. Uh, Jeff and Lori have moved out to Washington, but we've remained close friends, stay in communication. And Jeff came to me and I said to him, Jeff, what's the thing God spoke to you most recently? He says, it comes down to four words. What are they? God with and God within. God with and God within. Is God with you? Is God within you? If it is, 
This ought not be like a trial to you, like, oh, now I've got to somehow discipline my words. No, you find that your words begin to change because His Spirit dwells within you. And then lastly, lastly, as Costadere used to like to say for my fourth ending, um, Jesus said, if you've done these things unto the least of these, you've done these things unto me. It's fine to say, I don't use God's name in vain, but if you're rude or disrespectful to people, if you're rude or disrespectful to your spouse, if you're harsh, if you're domineering, if you're manipulative to your spouse, if you're harsh and mean to your children, and it's far more about the fact that you're tired and you want to rest and they want to play and you yell at them because I'm too tired. Just go lay down. Jesus said, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. The reflection of the way in which you honor God and His name ought to be in how you honor people around you. In your marriage, in your relationships at work, in your families, in your children, in everything that you do. John says, if you say you love God whom you've not seen, but you don't love the people you do see, the love of God is not in you and you're a liar. This is serious stuff. This is God saying, it's not just about don't let my name slip out as a curse word. It's so honoring and loving God that you can't help yourself but to treat people the same with that same honor and that same respect. Would you bow your heads with me? We have the privilege this morning, again, of having our helps team available for prayer for those of you that need it. Uh, these words, this word help, reflects four different things. Healing, or H-E is encounter with God. You need a fresh encounter with God. L, life, life has thrown you a curve and you just need something to give you a, a burst of hope again. And then P is for prophecy. You just feel like you need a word from the Lord. What I'd like you to do is just bow your heads for a moment. I want to pray for you. And then you, while I'm praying, if you team members could come up and stand by the sign that reflects your part of service. But let me just pray for you as a congregation. Father, in my heart of hearts, I've thought again and again, especially over these last two weeks, that this whole series would be an utter failure. Not because I care necessarily about what I look like or how I come across, but because I want your word to grab our hearts and that we would be a people that honor your word, your name, your person, your spirit. The Lord, where there has been those among us, <coughs> myself included, who have misused God's name, whether flippantly or as a euphemism or as an insult or indulgently using it to get our way. Lord, we repent today. We turn away from that mindset even that we talked earlier about breaking old mindsets in order that we could receive new wine. And in our place of repentance, not, not repentance like we're groveling, but just saying, God, that's not who you made us to be. We're your children. You're our Father. We want everything that we do to reflect that truth. So Father, we repent with a sense of joy in our hearts, like we're coming back to our Father's heart. 
to the God who is love. Let that be an ever-burgeoning thing in our souls. A people who honor the name of the Lord, who don't use God's name in vain, not lightly or irreverently or without thought. But every time your name is on our lips, there's a sense of awe and love. Let that be the expression of our life in our words, in our demeanor, in our attitudes, and in all of our interactions. I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Now, if you would like prayer from one of these team members, they're here to serve you. I encourage you to come. If you don't need prayer, you want to leave, please go out in the foyer and take your talk out there so that it stays quiet in here, okay? Thank you. God bless you guys.